friends, it has been uh, my custom on the anniversary of my installation to write a letter to North Holland. And this year, because uh, I'm kind of getting back into the groove, we're just going to do two of those. Um, so this is Letter Sunday Part 1, and we're going to do Part 2 next week. I wanted to tell some stories from sabbatical, in part, just you gave the gift, you deserve to hear some of the stories. And I think some of the stories, as I've reflected on them, can point us back to maybe where we go this year. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And we're actually going to come to the same passage two weeks in a row. It's not because there's not more good stuff in the Bible. It's just because this might be a passage that we want to sit with for a little while, to dwell in it. And to pay attention, because one thing that we believe about Scripture is that it is the Holy Spirit that breathes active life into it. And so we could read the same passage one week later, one year later, and we might notice something different. God might speak to us differently. Same words, but God's Spirit is always fresh. And so as we turn to Matthew 11, 28 through 30 today, and as we turn to it next week, pay attention to these words. And see what you notice, and in prayer, and in your own devotions, see if God speaks anything to you on, my, on how this might connect with you and your life. But before we read our passage today, let's pray together. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as the candle on the table reminds us that you do shine your light for us even today. Give us eyes to see what you are showing us. Give us hearts that are ready to engage what you speak to us. And give us minds that are ready to wrestle with what your Holy Spirit speaks to us today and this week and every week after that until you return or call us home. Speak to us today, O God, for we, your servants, listen. We listen for your voice. Amen. Matthew chapter 11 beginning at verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ at North Holland Reformed Church. The scripture passage from Matthew that we read together today is one that I have used in liturgy for over 40 funeral services. 44 to be exact. Yet not once have I ever preached on this passage. It became a sort of theme verse for me over sabbatical. This invitation from Jesus to come to him with our weariness and he would provide the rest. It's simple and straightforward and it works exactly as you would expect at face value. Such words of our Savior also pull from the entirety of the Bible. You can't sincerely come to Jesus for rest and expect it to work out if you're not also practicing the Sabbath, honoring a day of rest. A good understanding of Sabbath rest 
that Jesus offers by necessity includes the way of life that God outlined in the garden and in the Ten Commandments found in both Exodus and Deuteronomy. And to understand the type of rest that Jesus offers, we'd have to read the gospel passages where he talks about the Sabbath, what it's for, what it's not for, that the Sabbath was made for us. I've been thinking about Sabbath on sabbatical. The root word of sabbatical is Sabbath. It is rest. I wasn't burned out when I started sabbatical, but I was weary, more so than I think I realized. On week one of sabbatical, we got to Thursday afternoon, and I told Caitlin, I feel like I've been gone for a month. And she noted that if being gone four days felt like a month, that might be worth paying attention to. Perhaps I was a little more weary than I thought. Three months later, I feel like I've been gone a year. And I feel like I never left. Because coming back to North Holland is like coming home. I found rest on sabbatical. About three weeks ago, as sabbatical was drawing to a close, I was ready to come back. Not just resigned to it, like, well, sabbatical's almost over, time to get back to it, but ready as in eager, ready for the next season of ministry, specifically ministry here. And I say season um, due to my agricultural roots um, of other people following me here today. My parents are here. And I got to spend a lot more time on the farm this summer to revisit places that made me who I am and do work. You know, that's a good thing to do too. I'm ready for the next season though. I think about season also as like a TV series. You know, every season has its own plot lines and interesting things and twists and turns and character development. This is off script. Um, I think about season one, if, if, if the last eight years for me was season one at North Holland, it's like, oh yeah, there is, there is the building project episodes, those were kind of fun, um, and then there is the pandemic episodes, man, those were pretty dramatic, and the only thing, you know, some viewers watching the pandemic episodes thought, this isn't realistic, people don't act that way. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. <laughs> we all act that way. Regardless of what way you think is wrong, we all act out of character and foolishly sometimes. But, you know, it made for a, it made for a good part of season two, you know? Or season, the end of season one. And it just makes me wonder, what's season two going to have? What plot lines does God have in store for us? What things do we not yet know will happen? And that can sound anxiety-producing and dire, like some sort of warning, like, ugh, I don't know. But also, we have to remember that when we talk about what plot lines God will introduce us to, is that we're talking about the same God of whom the scriptures speak and saying, and he will do for us exponentially more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's the same God that we're talking about, and it's God who is the author of the plot. We're just the characters who are figuring out, how do we act in this season? Season one was good, and I was tired, and I found rest on sabbatical, and I've missed you, North Holland. And I don't take for granted upon my return the incredible gift that sabbatical was, or the commitment necessary to allow me to be gone for three months. It reminds me of this simple truth. If you need something to function, you will maintain it. If you love something, 
you will invest in it. If you need something just to function, you will maintain it. If you love something, you will invest in it. North Holland, you have not just maintained me as a pastor so that I'd function all pastory. You've given a gift of love. And not just sabbatical, but before that too. The sabbatical in particular was a special gift to me and to my family. I hope that I stewarded that gift well. And I hope that because I love you, that my investment in you is also worth it. We'll get to that in next week's letter about when you start to wonder if you still make a difference or not. And then maybe God needs to remind us of some things. In general, from 5,000 feet, I could summarize my time away this way. I read some books. I wrote a lot. I prayed more than usual. I had professional development through my continuing education cohort, leading by design, right out of Zealand, and I spent time with my family. We traveled, I revisited some primary places that have shaped me, formed me, and made me who I am today. How meaningful to be able to do so, and to give thanks to God for different parts of my life, and for all of us to look back on those experiences and places and seasons that have made you who you are and to say, God, now, with some hindsight, I can see what you are up to. Now I can see the way in which you were growing me and maturing me and preparing me there for what would be in season two or three or four. So today and next week, I wanted to share a few stories about my time away to highlight the learning. My theme of sabbatical was personal renewal and professional development. And today especially, I want us to start thinking about the ways for all of us that those words of Jesus can come alive. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me, says Jesus, this is Jesus talking, in me you will find rest for your souls. Before we get to that, just Two notes about being back. The two final gifts of sabbatical that I do not take for granted. One is that upon my return, I haven't been made to feel guilty for being gone, and I'm grateful for that. Rather, I have experienced perhaps this sentiment from staff and a few others. We're glad for you that you could be gone. We're glad for us that you're back. It's good to be back. And even if I am threatening to bring, you know, Oreos with sprinkles and yeah, you know where I live. It's a small church. I know where you live too. <laughs> the other gift was to read that letter last week and to know that I have returned to a debt-free church. Our 30-year mortgage has been paid off in five years. That is still incredible and should remind us that it is about God whom we speak the one who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And yes, earlier I did say exponentially more. I think that would also fit. I was lead pastor when we went into debt for the Reach Out Project. And it was a pipe dream of mine to not leave North Holland until the debt was paid off. And now it's paid off. LAUGHTER Vicky just said, not funny. <laughs> it's funny for me. 
But no, it is good to be back. What's season two got? We have this facility, and now we need to be spiritual and vigorous about what the facility facilitates. And what it should facilitate is to be a centering place where a missional community gathers, and that this building serves the spiritual and physical needs of the congregation and of our neighborhood. If we're to discover exactly what those needs are within ourselves and with those around us, we need to know them and we need to know what we're capable of and what isn't ours alone, per se. How do we find out? Let's go back to those words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my way of living. Take my way of being. Take that upon you. Take my mindset upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. And rest is not laziness. Rest is the necessary component of a way of life that allows us to work hard because we don't work well without rest. We have limits. I wonder if we filled in the blank a little bit differently. Obviously, what Jesus said stands, and it stands strong and well, and it connects us throughout all of Scripture. But I wonder if we looked elsewhere in Scripture that we could find different ways that we could fill in the blanks. If I gave you a prompt, which I will next week, come to me, all you who are blank, and I will give you blank. If you prayerfully took that in, how would you finish the sentence? Come to me, you who are what at this moment? And in Jesus, you will find, you will be given what? What is your great need? And how would the Lord provide it? We could look throughout the New Testament and see, come to me, all you who are hungry, and I will give you something to eat. Come to me, all you who are terrified, and in me, you will find courage. Come to me, those of you who are discouraged, and I will give you hope. Come to me, all you who are grieving, and I will give you comfort. Come to me, all you who are lonely, and in me you will find community. Come to me, all you who are excited, and I will give you a direction and path. Come to me, you who have a vision for what could be, and Jesus, in Christ, you will find where that path leads. The different variations on this verse came alive for me on sabbatical, among the different places that I got to spend time. And today, just to start with, I want to share how this came alive for me on Beaver Island in Michigan. Part of my sabbatical grant from the RCA gave me money to travel for a week of solitude, just me by myself, to attend to spiritual disciplines like scripture reading, prayer, writing. Caitlin found me a great Verbo rental on Beaver Island, this rustic cabin 20 feet from the water. I'd never been to Beaver Island before. In fact, I'd never heard of Beaver Island before. And despite what I'm about to tell you, I would go back again. But I'd do some things differently. So after driving to Charlevoix, waiting a couple hours to get my car checked in, ferrying over for what felt like forever on a boat that was rocking back and forth, I arrived at Beaver Island on the northeast corner of the island where we docked, kind of seasick. I hopped in my car and drove 15 minutes to the southwest corner of the island 
that led me to this wonderful rustic cabin. We're talking like indoor toilet, but outdoor shower kind of rustic. Never did use that shower. <laughs> Built in 1920-something and gradually restored over the last 10 years. Well, I got to the cabin at dusk. I moved in my stuff and pretty much just crashed. The waves were noisy, and I was still a bit queasy from that super choppy ferry ride over to the island. The town had looked really quite nice, but now I was at the cabin, and I anticipated staying in that cabin for the next 72 hours, connecting with God and not planning to see another soul. The next morning, the winds had died down. All was calm. The waves whispered gently as they slipped along the rocks. The birds sang a mellow, kind of relaxing song in the background. All was quiet in my little cabin. So I made a cup of coffee, took my Bible, and went and sat on the front porch of the cabin. I read three psalms, gently pondered them, and was just opening to 1 Samuel when some movement caught the corner of my eye on the left. Something moved along the ground. Specifically, it slithered. Friends, I can handle spiders, I can spray wasps, I can handle mice and rats. I brought with a cooler and carabiners and paracord. I was ready for rodents, but I just despise snakes. And sure enough, there is a big old black snake about three fingers thick just weaving through the grass. Great. But you know what? I can brush that off. I'm here to connect with God. I'm not here to worry about snakes, and it wasn't on the porch, and the porch was a poured concrete floor with block walls. Good. So I sat back down, back to 1 Samuel. Is that another snake? <laughs> I stand up. There's like three snakes over on the left. And in front, there's a little bit of grass and then rocks and then, and then the shore of the lake, and there's a snake like right there. Walk over here on the right. Oh, yeah, more snakes. There are snakes everywhere. <laughs> a little piece of church history, Beaver Island refers to itself as America's Emerald Isle, which is a reference to Ireland. Part of church history was part of the legend of St. Patrick was that he drove all the snakes off of Ireland. Let me tell you, America's Emerald Isle never got St. Patrick. <laughs> it is infested with snakes. There are snakes everywhere. It is the one thing that I just simply cannot handle. I was going to stay in the cabin for three days until I heard the audible voice of God. And now I'm like, nope, I'm going to town. They seemed nice. I'd be there for seven meals. There's six restaurants. It sounded like faith that I should go to all of them at least once. Well, while I was there, I went to the hardware store in town. I used to work at a hardware store. It's fun. And I bought, I found some of that snake repellent, those like powdered pellets that you can like, you know, and the warning label on that stuff is like, don't touch this container or you will surely die. Don't breathe it. If you have asthma, this will probably kill you just by being around it. And I was like, I've got asthma. I've also got inhalers and I brought them with. <laughs> Nothing makes you sound as tough as being like, I've got inhalers. So I go back to my cabin. I start spreading this snake pellet stuff. I thought, oh, I'll just spread some between like where I parked my car and the front door of the cabin. Three snakes. Tall grass by the front door. I was like, they were right there? So then I go to the, I go to the porch of the cabin. 
and there's some tall grass along the edges. And I'm like, mm-hmm, how many snakes are in here? And it says, don't pour directly on snakes. And I was like, whatever. If a few of them die, there's plenty more. So I started pouring that pellet stuff. The grass was swimming. And I was like, they are under the floor of this cabin. There is no way they're not. I went to connect with God. <laughs> and I found myself surrounded by snakes. And I wonder how many people have experienced church that way. They went to connect with God, but they found themselves surrounded by snakes. Snakes deceive and whisper. And I know that some of you do like snakes, you weirdos. <laughs> but we're going to pull some biblical references here. Snakes are, is the original deceiver. Sneaky and subtle, full of lies and gross. Even when trying to travel in a straight line, they can't help but to go back and forth. The primary snake is the devil who hisses all kinds of sneaky and subtle lies and deceit, not into our ears, but into our hearts. Sometimes not even into thoughts that we can put into words. What kind of hisses would the devil say to those who maybe went to church to connect with God, but instead, I came to connect with God, but I don't belong here. I'm not special to anyone. I'm not special to God. Perhaps the snake whispers continue, I don't fit in. I'm not enough. Everyone here is judging me. I, I look out of place. I feel out of place. Everyone here has all these friends and connection except for me. They belong, but I don't. We can go down that path of all the ways in which we can hear and we can experience just enough of something that the snake whisper feels real that it seems like, oh yeah, that's true, isn't it? Maybe it's bringing us down. Maybe it's seeding deceit and lies and doubt. Or maybe instead of bringing you down, the devil, the primary snake, is very crafty. Maybe it brings you up. Church wouldn't know what to do without me. These people aren't grateful enough for what I do. I don't know who could do all the things that I do around here. Man, I can't wait until I leave just so I can tell people off about everything that they've done wrong. Maybe it's a sense that everything depends on you. And then we lose sight of the communion of saints, that none of us by ourselves on our own were ever meant to be enough. This is a communion of saints. This is a community. This is the family of God. So maybe the whispers that get whispered into your heart bring you down and seed doubt. Or maybe they whisper into your heart in such a way to give you a righteous indignation to fill you up with, with pride that you are indispensable and that, of course, for, for all that who you are, you're just so overlooked and underappreciated. If only they knew, and how might I show it to them? The devil, when he whispers his lies, always gives us something to prove or always reduces who we are. And we all can be snakes at times too, right? That's why we have confession and assurance every week, except when we have communion. There's different times where we're a little bit snake-like, myself included. Maybe it takes the form of a decision happened that I don't like that. 
So I'll start slithering around and find some other people to get upset with me, build my case, make myself feel better about having some people in my camp who also know that this was a bad idea. Maybe I'll slither around on something that, no, I don't like that direction. So even though this is my church, I feel pretty good about, that's not my thing, I'm going to sit back on that one. We can be snakes at different times ourselves. We can tell our children to respect authority and then do the exact opposite ourselves. We can be surrounded by snakes and we can be them. And yet, here again, we come to those words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you a break from the snakes that are trying to whisper lies into your heart and in your life. Take my yoke upon you. Take, take the way I see the world onto your shoulders, into your life. And in me, you will find rest for your souls. You will find strength. You will find courage. You will find identity and purpose. In me, this is what you will find. And when we ourselves are snakes, and maybe it takes a good friend to point it out to us, then we also need to be reminded, come to me, all you who are sinful, and in me, you will find grace. Come to me, all you who have been hurt, and in me, you will find wholeness. Come to me, all you who have been running for as long as you can remember, and I will give you peace and rest that you can sit and catch your breath in my presence. Come to me, all you who are wondering, what's the point in all of this? And I will show you true purpose. Come to me, says the Lord. Friends, I am grateful for this communion of saints. And I say this snake and example today, not out of when Jesus called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. That's not my take here today. I'm glad to be back here. And yet, I think as we think ahead to the next season of ministry, we would be wise to remember and pay attention to those who perhaps came here to connect with God and the whispers of the snake were still in their hearts or maybe they experienced a little bit too much here. And we all need to come together and find rest in God alone. So how might we fill in the blanks? Come to me, all you who are terrified of snakes and I don't know, I'll give you snake pellets. I'm glad for the hardware store at least. But how might we also live into this vision of what God can offer us here? Come to me, all you who are terrified, and I will give you courage. Come to me, all you who are simply disgusted, and I will give you a wholesome vision. Come to me, all you who are distracted, and I will give you focus on what really matters. Come to me when you've forgotten who you are, and I will remind you of your identity. Come to me, all you who think that you know everything about yourself, and I'll show you some corners of your heart that you might not have looked into. Come to me, all you who yearn for a place to grow and mature, and I will give you such a space and such a people as to do just that. Come to me, all you who want to have a certain character about you, and I'll show you how to build that character. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who want to make the church 
my body, something special. And I'll show you where to connect and how to serve towards that end. Come to me, those of you who doubt if you really make a difference, and I'll show you the impact that you've had. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ at North Holland Reformed Church, come to Jesus, and what will we find? May we find rest for our souls, and all these other things shall be added unto us. Amen. Let's pray. God, you alone, in every moment of existence, know the needs and desires and faults and dreams and hopes of all of our hearts. And you and only you can know all of that for each one of us here and online simultaneously. So we come to you. We come to you for rest so that we can stop and so that we can hear our voice. We come to you for rest, that we can stop running long enough to catch our breath and ask ourselves, what are we running from and what do we really need? Lord, we come to you as a church to say, show us what this next season looks like. Show us the plot lines that we might be faithful characters in your ongoing work on this world. Lord, and for all the times, that the enemy comes to whisper into our hearts to, to puff us up or to bring us down, to make us feel like we have something to prove. Lord, may you drive the snakes away in such a way that we can hear your voice again, in such a way that we can experience community and wholeness, in such a way that when we come to this place, when we gather with this people around your word and around your table, we may come to connect with you. And as we connect with you, may we connect others to you and may they connect us to you as well. Lord, bless the communion of saints at North Holland Reformed Church, both now and forever. Amen.